Welcome to the Rod Mixley Podcast. June is post-traumatic stress awareness month. There's about 12 million people in the United States who suffer from PTSD, but an alarming, alarming amount of people don't seek out help. So today we're going to talk about, discuss it. We got a new guest. Her name is Dr. Joan Samuel Daniels, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Joan Samuels Dennis. <laughs> uh, Dennis. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's All right. okay. Thank you for so so much for joining us, sharing your insight, and just being part of the discussion. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. It's good to be with you. I want to share a disclaimer for those who are in the United States. Uh, 9A is a suicide crisis lifeline. Uh, but I always say I don't like reinventing the wheel. What works for you? Find what resources, whether it's a church, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a friend. Seek help if you need help. The three hardest words to say is, I need help. So yeah. I encourage you to do that. I always start off with a quote just to spark the conversation, uh, doc, uh, Dr. Jones. So um, it's from an unknown uh, writer. It says, it's not about what's wrong with you. It's about what's happened to you. What comes to mind when you hear this quote? Yeah, um, we've all had... You know, for the person who is 40 and thereabouts, we've all had three significant moments that have happened in our lives. Um, and our bodies will define that as traumatic, even if our mind uh, doesn't. And uh, so it is absolutely about what has happened. Uh, because there's an interpretation that often goes along with what has happened that then leads to um, forms of imbalances, I would say, um, because there are so many imbalances that we need to look at with trauma. So there are physical imbalances, there are the emotional imbalances, which then lead to mental imbalances. And those are all linked back to the beliefs that we have about what has happened. And also, I want to ask you, a lot, a lot of times when we think about trauma, we kind of just, you know, we bunch it all together. I just, I just wanted to share as, as we begin this month, as we pay tribute, as we, we remember the people who are suffering, our families, our friends, Yeah, we can give a little insight regarding the types, um, um, you know, if you want to add the types of trauma there is to those listening. Yeah, and um, the, the way that I usually uh, speak to audiences and even my clients about this is I tend not to focus on the type mm -hmm. uh, because from the type, we then go to severity or, mm -hmm. you know, to extremes. And it really does come down to the interpretation about an event. So typically, what I tend to do is I focus on kind of that bodily response. And then I focus on the mental response, which has to do with our beliefs, our thoughts, the emotions that are connected there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a spiritual response, which moves us from a place of being able to love on, I say openly and you know, with the open embrace versus fearing. So typically there's this body mind spirit response mm -hmm. and it's more the response that matters because the response occurs because you feel afraid or terrorized or you feel like you're being unfairly and unjustly and extremely punished uh in some way shape or form and there's a sense of overwhelm uh mm -hmm. that often comes with that 
So you can see that in very severe cases, um, you can be at war, you can be in a battle, you can see someone die and you have that response. Mm -hmm. And then there can also be something of what we would consider very simple and yet there is still the response so um you know uh, for very young babies uh who are traumatized uh sometimes it's as simple as uh, having fallen or being dropped or whatever the case may be but that trauma will stay and the body will remember that trauma for a very long time so what i tend to say is as long as the response looks like overwhelm and terror and shock and mm. fear, then we've got a traumatic moment. Um, but in terms of the ones that you might, we might typically think of and what the diagnostic and statistical manual will think of is where there is a threat. So your life is threatened or someone else's life is threatened and you bear witness to that. Mm. Um, there's often that, that sense of, my life or somebody else's life can be over. That's kind of how severe they go when they diagnose PTSD. Yeah, now, you know, I just love how you you kind of, last month, well, we're in still in May, but I, I like the indiv individualizing it because a lot of times it won't, like we don't make sense. Last month, I remember the, the theme I put for May was simply put, remembering our names. Remembering yeah. our names, you yeah. know, it's very personal. A lot of times, you know, mental health is messy. So I love how you brought it down. You know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes, and you know, the the statistics is that a lot of people don't get help when it comes to trauma. Yeah. And I think a lot a lot of it is what you just mentioned, the idea that oh, I'm not as bad as this person. Yeah, you know, I, I don't need to get the help because I wasn't in combat. I wasn't in. Yeah. This kind of scenario, but you know, it's more about the responses, which I love. Me working in the mental health field, also, I kind of realized that it's really, um, it's it's was it it's client centered. It's a person. You you That's you right. individualize the care that yeah. matches the individual and their culturally context and all that. So I feel yeah. that's very very important i really appreciate you sharing that we, we tend to compete even in ways that we don't need to compete <laughs> yeah. so oftentimes um you know even though a person is suffering really what they're saying when they say i'm not as bad as the other person it 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 makes the ego feel a little bit better about the circumstance but you still need help right yeah yeah so what i tend to do is i tend to take away the competition by saying you've had your own experience and yeah. so you and i don't actually need to compare our experiences to one another mm. other than i want to be able to have compassion for you mm. so because i've experienced my own and i know how challenging it was to heal i then want to make sure that you have the space to express what it is that you have experienced in your life rather than filtering that through something that says i have to look at another person before i look at myself uh, you know I, I feel that's very true a lot of times you know that that's sometimes the difference between a healthy support group versus a not you know? right. and, and right. i say this because being a facilitator for uh, nami as a support group i remember i just remember just when when it becomes a competition of who had it worse <laughs> Um, it doesn't it doesn't really bode heal you may feel like that 
a little short term, like, okay, I'm not alone, but what's what's beyond that? Um, yes. And also to give, obviously, I want to not minimize, especially myself being in the military also before my, bro my brother being in the military, family being in the military. This one quote I just want to share kind yeah. of really speaks volumes. It's from Jack Wood. It said, Jake Wood, it says, I feel no emotion, emotional connection to these outward human gestures. Mm -hmm. I am not there because I never left Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And for me, it just, it, it, you know, being, um, you know, serving during that time period, during 9-11 and stuff, you kind of remember just a lot of times um, just shifting your your proximity or where you're at doesn't change where you right. are inside. So I really found this quote very deep. What do you when you hear this group it, it's such a powerful um it's such a powerful way of describing mm -hmm. separation right yeah. and that's what i call it um mm -hmm. because what happens in these traumatic experiences is um especially if it's so jarring and startling is one part of you stays present and mm -hmm. observes what's happening and the other part of you absolutely disappears because that's the only way you're going to cope with this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's this desire to reconnect, but until you move through the healing journey, that reconnection doesn't happen. And some of the memories that need to come back uh, doesn't actually, you know, come until that healing happens. So. I love, you know, I feel no emotional connection to these outwardly human gestures. I, I'd like to know what the human gestures are. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it makes me ask the question, what is the human gesture? Is it, is it kindness? Is it, you know, uh, the caring? Um, what is it that feels so disconnecting? And, and that absolute sense of there's a part of me that has been left behind. And that that now it, it piques my interest in terms mm -hmm. of saying, okay, so how do you bring that part of you home? Because there has to be a process for bringing that part of you home. Yeah, and I, I, you mentioned the gestures. I just wonder a lot of times, you know, sometimes I get clients who are saving the world, not themselves. You know, then you're you're wondering if these gestures, not you know, not minimizing Jake Wood's comments, but is it saying yes to every family event? Is it right. saying is it saying right. yes to everything right. that right. people? I'm like, oh yeah, he's great. He he's so helpful. Yeah. He's wonderful, and this is how he feels. This is the that's why you know I was thinking about the you know what um, you know at first I had a different theme, but I changed the theme to a silent healing because I feel a lot of times it's silent. You yeah, know, you're, you're by yourself, so. Um, when you think you know you work in the field and you deal with a lot of people struggling and yeah. maybe even your own yeah. circles um what have you experienced that have seen that you've seen help those suffering like you know obviously there's different ways and you go in if you're individual but what maybe more importantly what has not helped you what has not helped the people who are really struggling with trauma that you've seen from your yeah experience? i i think what has not helped is a whole lot of talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we tend to do that. Um, and what has not helped is talking, but never talking about it. Right. Mm. So 
um, a lot of us, we're talking about this thing that bothers us and we focus on whatever is in this present moment, this bothers me or, you know, whatever it is um, bothers me. But if the healing happens when you can relate what is happening right now to an earlier moment in time that actually traumatized us. Now, there are some moments in the present that have traumatized us. And so talking about it there and then is helpful. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we need to know is that sometimes we talk about it and it prepares us for healing, but talking is not necessarily what's going to heal us. So it's important for us to engage in talking because each time we talk, we dive deeper and deeper. But if you only talk, if you never actually look at it, then that is not helpful. So then the other part that I have found most helpful um, is when there can be a process where you begin with talking, but then you immerse yourself in the experience in a way that is safe and guided. So you have to go back into the memory, but you're never going to go back into the memory as yourself. You're going to go back into the memory as yourself in the present moment, observing something that has happened in the past. That is the safest way to go into a memory. And it is this it is the ultimate way that you have compassion for yourself. So you're outsider viewing yourself, experiencing something that is so um, taxing or intense or, you know, fearful. And and now because you're looking at yourself experiencing that you can say, Oh my God, that was, that was so horrible. Right. Mm -hmm. Or just like you would look at another person and say, I am so sorry that you had to experience that. You can now look at yourself and say that very thing as well. And the compassion for self is the healing power, right? Mm -hmm. So until you have compassion for self, you don't come out of it. And you then, uh, if you if you look at it as yourself in that moment, you don't see the things that you need to see. Whereas when you go back and you're an observer in that moment, you can look at it and see things you would never have remembered beforehand. So those two are, are possibly the most helpful. And then just talking without actually diving in is least helpful. I see. I mean, we could get stuck in like um, the understanding of it, be right at the and then there's no movement uh, you know one thing i was thinking about was the the blind men uh discovering an elephant you know the whole thing everyone's touching one part of the elephant and like no it's a snake and no it's uh all the and i found this interesting because they're they're all correct but they're all not yes. correct, you, know? Yes. <laughs> right. you know so and, and that's a way to think about the healing journey is that um, you are going to meet certain techniques mm -hmm. at times when you need them. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they're not good techniques. It's just this is what you're ready for right now. Mm -hmm. But when you're ready for the fullness of it, then you you will be able to see the elephant. The, the blindness goes <laughs> away and you're able to, you know, just engage in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, just to also pay tribute, I remember I was looking for it, obviously, some quotes that kind of and also 
some one of the most notable times that people experienced trauma was during World War II, during yes. the Holocaust. And yes. um, Corey Ten Boom, she wrote the book. It's called um, uh, "The Hiding Place." But yes. one thing she wrote, uh, one of the quotes in the book, it says, "The man, face, and body told the story more eloquently than his words. Yeah. Pain haunted eyes, shaking hands that cannot no. forget." It's 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 kind of I love the descriptive yes. qualities of this. Of this excerpt of the book and you know she was um just to give context for those listening she she was uh smuggling Jew, jews during the during the yeah. war and you know we have notable people who did you know exceptional things during those that time and it's inspiring but you, you know there's also you know and you know one thing uh secondary trauma kind of thing you kind yes. of witness it you're not yes. you're helping these people but you're hearing these stories the stories yes. stories stories yes. and, and if you're not careful yes yes, yes. So. absolutely yeah this was another powerful quote um and mm. as i you know as you as you visualize it you're you're <laughs> almost seeing the pain um mm -hmm. in the eyes and so as I, I think about the body and the way that the body would, you know, curve itself or bend itself, especially when it's in pain, and then the shaking and the continuation of the, the fear and the terror in a moment, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that our bodies remember. And if nothing else tells the story, our body tells the story. Um, one of the things that in, in my practice, I do is I use the body to assess the moments in time that we need to actually process in order to move past our traumas. So um, I use a technique called applied kinesiology um, and I will use the eyes and match it with the strength of the arm or the legs or whatever part of the muscles can be tested as strong or weak. And then I will find the moment in time by just looking at the month the day, the year, um, and then once we isolate that moment, I can say to you, well, you know, on July 15th of, you know, 1983, something happened. So can you describe for me what happened? And so the person will describe it. And as they describe it, we will then move into a forgiveness journey um, together where we're forgiven whoever, you know, did the wrong and then uh, forgiving ourselves as well. And sometimes the forgiveness is just about ourselves. Um, but you will see the person's face transform uh, as we move through the forgiveness process and the releasing of, of those tensions that are hidden in that moment in time. You'll see them stand up like straighter, sit up straighter. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see a glow come over their face like it's almost like a presence of peace has come mm -hmm. over them and that's always pretty phenomenal to notice and experience as well you know it's, you know, it's, it's interesting how much forgiving you know forgiveness you know I, I um can play um yeah a big part in the healing you know the reframing the understanding yes, yes. Um, i just know um you know just looking back at some experiences um we are hard critics on ourselves a lot of times when you're in the teens something traumatic happens and maybe someone gets hurt maybe someone overdoses just kind of yes. generalizes and you you you're hard on yourself i should have picked up the phone i should have 
and you 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 don't look at yourself on the third you don't look at yourself to say you're where like 17 16 years old you're you haven't been trained <laughs> to deal with substance use you didn't answer the phone and like i didn't kind of kind of allow yourself to yes process that and i feel the forgiveness part is huge because that that kind of dives into your self-image you know yes. if, you, if you hate yourself uh, you know, the one thing I always laugh is like, you know, obviously people want, you know, some people want to better their health, but a lot of times I ask the why question. Yes. Why? Why? Oh, I want to look better. No. Why? <laughs> you know, like, because like a lot of times we can make excuses for everything because if I don't like myself, yeah, if I really just detest myself, I might be able to go to the gym, work out for a while until something, yes. something yes. happens. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if I hate myself, why would I want to better right. myself? Right. You know, it's kind of yes. it's weird to think that way, but in, in the concepts of um, experience and how forgiveness, this this came to mind when you were sharing all that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, we're our biggest critics, and oftentimes we say other people are criticizing us. Mm -hmm. But we're the ones who are criticizing us. We're the and you'll say other people are harsh, but uh, we're the ones who are are not gentle towards ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, if we're constantly experiencing the criticism, the judgment, you know, the hatred, um, there's something for us to shift internally, and that's usually associated with some of our most traumatic moments. Mm -hmm. um, and so if we go back and we forgive, especially in a conscious way where we look at we look at the entirety, the elephant is what I call conscious awareness. Yeah, yeah. The other parts is kind of like a, you know, a partial awareness, but not conscious. Right. And mm -hmm. so we we have to then step into the place where the forgiveness becomes conscious. We're able to see the other person and then see ourselves almost mirroring exactly what they have done to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just want to you know, pause a moment. You know, with my new guest, I'd like to give him an opportunity to share it a little bit. If you'd like to share a little bit about yourself, what brought you into the field? Like a lot of times, it's not very. Uh, you know, a lot of times it takes a unique individual. It's not always <laughs> easy. So, um, and why do you think it matters today? I want to talk about uh, trauma? If you want to share whatever you feel comfortable. With. Yeah. Um, so. I would say that my love for, and I do love mental health, mm -hmm. my love for mental health, uh, I discovered um, probably in 2001, thereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, and I, at that time, I was working with single mothers on social assistance. Mm -hmm. All of them were chronically ill, experiencing mental health challenging uh, challenges. And as I interviewed them one after another and another and another, I discovered that they had some pretty severe childhood traumas that they had endured, whether that was physical, emotional, sexual, or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. uh, there were these things that they had endured that they didn't know yet how to overcome. And I was there as a helper, as a, a registered nurse at the time. And here I, I started to dive in and wanted to help, but realized oh my goodness, I'm sending these people off to these psychologists and, and psychotherapists and all of these other things, but they don't seem to be getting any better. I began to ask a question and the question was, 
how do we permanently heal these traumatic responses that they had? PTSD, depression, anxiety, personality disorders, you name it, it was there. So I went on to do my master's. I began to look at how income actually impacted on uh, well-being. I went on to do my PhD and in my PhD, I wanted to discover this intervention. I finished my PhD and I kind of felt like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't actually do what I you know, came here to do. And it would be about four years later that I would go on my own healing journey. And through that process, I would discover the answer to the little question that I'd originally asked, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I am now the developer of something called the Becoming Method. Uh, it's a forgiveness method uh, that uses the body to kind of isolate. And then I went on to then uh, infuse Christian spirituality into that. Mm. From there, I've added certain components that really gets down to the heart of the beliefs that we hold mm. that are formed in some of those traumatic moments and the ways in which, you know, we absolve ourselves of them. So there's a particular technique uh, called Psyche that is quite popular out there. Uh, there's mm. another technique that's less popular called the recode. I use prayer, I use declarations, I use meditation, I incorporate mm. all of that into the process. Forgiveness heals. And then after that, there's this transformation that all of us go through when we heal. Mm. Um, hence the word becoming. Um, and that's the reason why I do what I do now. So now uh, I've moved from individual therapy to now looking at the black nation in particular, the traumas that we have endured. I think we're all traumatized, mm -hmm. but I think because of the enslavement experience and the intergenerational traumas that have transcended, um, that we are still experiencing some things that we call normal, but it's really PTSD and other types of um, mental illnesses that we've normalized. Um, so my desire now is to take what I know and bring it to an entire population mm. uh, and help that population do some healing work. Well, that's wonderful. You know, I, I think about um, just, um, you know, you brought up the faith. Uh, I, uh, as a leader in the church, one thing I noticed is the people who, the you know, with the connection of God, how they viewed God really dictated how they responded and how they, how they handled their faith. And some of the most uh, devastating and destructive forces when it comes to that is, is is basically mirroring how they feel god is seeing them so i, I find that you know very interesting because a lot of times it's um um a lot of times it's not connected that way a lot of, but in 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 the, in the church as you know it's very um complicated someone's yeah. good news could be someone's bad news <laughs> a lot a lot of yeah. Um, someone could be um, uh, could be on remission for cancer while someone just passed away. If you're not able to connect with a person quickly enough, people leave. People, and at the same time, sometimes I've seen, and I'm not saying this for every church, but there's a lot of codependency that gets flooded yeah. in there and guilt yeah. to stay there. So you know, I, I love what, the fact that we're we're trying to use what has been effective kind of use the idea of forgiveness and understand and i, I just i love all that because yeah. a lot of times we kind of think about it as well you know uh, we need to heal well i think part of healing is understanding yeah one i saw uh, we had a mental health symposium where i went last week for this month and the guy said something very interesting um 
He said, you know, with uh, with diabetes, we don't wait to, to get diabetes to start working on it. We, we kind of work on it now. You, you know, you work on your health. It's not, um, you know, if I'm really mentally ill, does that mean I'm not sane? You know, it's, right. it's kind right. of that kind of thing. Right. We don't look at medical illnesses the same way as mental health. And I, yes. I found it, um, I kind of knew that, but I loved how he illustrated it. Um, um he did a great job he was the main speaker but that's yeah, I, the perfect way to to talk about it you know and and because trauma has so many different layers of responses what we tend to do if somebody has a stroke or they have cancer we tend to be very supportive you know we we tend to go to the nth degree in order to make sure that they're comfortable and we surround them and we support them but if somebody has a mental illness, then for some reason, mm. we go to the place of you should be able to do better. You don't need support. You just need to, you know, basically pull your socks up and, you know, keep going. Mm. Um, and I love what he said, because it's like now we, we need to talk about trauma. We need to talk about healing as a, a trajectory and a movement towards um, health. And for all, for everyone, except in situations where I've had someone who cognitively couldn't process what it was that I was saying, that was the only thing that ever hindered uh, their healing. And I think for, for some individuals, there's you know other things that we have to do in order to support them. Yeah, and also just you know, a lot of times defining what healing is. Yeah. Defining what, better is depending what independence means though they use all these words but what does that mean i, I just yes. know some of my um my ex experience with close friends and they're like um they may be stagnant and they're you know they're not go they just finished college they're not going anywhere they're having all these issues yes and then they're like oh you're still in your parents house like, oh you need to get another place and i remember this person said to me well i'll just go somewhere and be miserable somewhere else <laughs> you know what I mean? you know and it's funny to say that way it's very kind right. of insightful but it, it's kind of true you know a lot of times you just think that just leaving an area it may maybe for a little bit yes. where it is but yes. at the same time i liked with this quote again this new uh, the the yeah. mind replays what the heart can't delay and it kind of really speaks to your forgiveness because <laughs> I could, you know, I could say I'm going to forget, I'm going to forget, but it's going to, you know, especially if it really hits us hard and yes. emotionally, yes. I think there's been a great conversation. I also want to ask you, a silent healing, I kind of shared why I thought it was a great theme. Why do you think it's important to remember, um, in your opinion, why do you think it's important to remember this month when it comes to PTSD awareness month? In your own? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's there's been this cool thing that's happened with our calendar now where almost every month we're remembering something. Mm -hmm. And I think for those people who have experienced um, a traumatic moment that now stays with them and triggers them and causes all kinds of visceral responses as well as kind of those silent responses as well, it's so important to pay attention um, to the silent suffering that can be happening. Um, but it, it also is the time when we can then speak to what can help uh, these situations. We're always discovering new ways to help people, uh, different techniques. And it's important 
that we not give up because we've experienced a technique, got frustrated and thought, oh, this isn't going to help. For the individual who is out there, who is who has experienced something that they felt was shocking, um, they felt was overwhelming, terrifying, or you know that kind of mortal punishment, um, you may be experiencing PTSD. So for you, it's important to know that there are methods out there that end PTSD symptoms altogether. People have done it, and people are teaching one another to do it. Don't always. Um, the medical model is great, but the medical model, it goes so far. And then there are these spiritual elements that are, you know, also there that will help. But there, but keep searching. If you're one of those individuals who've been looking for a technique, um, there, there are techniques out there. And I, I think it's important at this time to just offer the hope for those individuals. Yeah. And I want to, um, just one other follow up question what would you like people to remember this year? You know, every year, you know, they always have a thing. Uh, um, what would you like to remember when you think about PTSD? When you think about people suffering, you know, we, we're out of, kind of out of COVID. We're kind of out of things. <laughs> things are not really ever going to be like the same as it was 2019. But, right. you know, what would you like people to remember, especially this year, as we remember things each month? I don't know why this was coming up, but you know, when Jesus said the poor will always be with us, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like there'll always be trauma with us, right? Yeah. It's, it's part of uh, the journey that we have to move through, right? Mm -hmm. So um, what I've discovered, as I mentioned earlier, is that each of us will have three significant moments that are rather challenging to us and are going to have these very triggering responses. Like we're always going to go back to them. Uh, sometimes we can have, you know, those memories come forward very shockingly. Um, and, and so it's important to remember that's part of the journey. Now, the important thing also to remember is as soon as we experience one of those events, a pattern is established and the only way that pattern is broken is when we have compassion for ourselves when we forgive the other person and forgive ourselves immediately it breaks that pattern so the breaking of the pattern is the key if we don't break that pattern for the first event a second event comes and then a new pattern begins mm. a new kind of testing begins and it's important to again remember you have to break the pattern that's established there. The only way you do it is with forgiveness and compassion for self. And then if you don't do that second one or the first one, a third one comes. And this is when there's a major decision to be made. The chaos in that particular moment, it will make you make a choice. And the choice will be, I'm going to choose to live or I'm going to choose to die. And what I mean by that is that's when cancer develops, diabetes comes, a number of other different things happen because the body is so, in such a state of trauma, it no longer re responds in a balanced way. So you need to know that if you carry the trauma with you, you're eventually choosing to have your, your system come out of balance and stay out of balance for a very long time. And that's what causes disease. So that's kind of what I would want us to remember. It's important mm -hmm. to go back, look at it, release it so that our system doesn't come out of balance. And, you know, I, I a lot of times think about um, a lot of these events, a lot of these situations, they, you know, they take time, Yeah. you know, but I think the, the interesting thing is we're talking about how we, look at ourselves if we value ourselves value yeah. our time then the time doesn't 
really matter. You know, a lot of times when we think about our lives, they're always, I say this sometimes, it sounds weird, but it's always unfinished. Yes. You really think about it. <laughs> I, 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 I find it like as cathartic, as, as weird as it sounds, it's kind of freeing to know that whatever I do, it's, it's always going to be constant. I, I, I joke with my clients, uh, like, life is not static and they're like, right. they have this discussion and i'm like well if it was static then whatever team team won the world series would always won the world series right. and they're like they're like no 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 that's not true and then i'm like okay so things do move along whether right. good or bad um and also uh, i think uh you know i do mention this author victor franco but one thing i loved about him i was inspiring about him and, and paraphrasing is the people who did well are the ones who could control what they could, could control at the moment. Yes, yes. Not about the, not the blind optimism, yes. not the, the down pessimism. If, if the only thing you can do today is just get up, yeah, go outside and go for a walk, yes, and do that. You yes. know, a lot of times we're on this. You know, sometimes trauma doesn't get picked up for a long time. It's yeah. fairly new, in, yeah. you know, in a concept. So. If it's thinking that you've been struggling for three years, yeah, you know when you when you value yourself, you know you know you're gonna it, you're not gonna expect it to be a quick fix because it's gonna take time. Give yourself grace. Yep. Give yourself that time to figure it out. Yeah, you're only on your own time, and you know having those conversations of self reflection conversations will be helpful. Uh, lastly, just any last final thoughts as we wrap up. I just want to say thank you so much for. Join me, Dr. Joan, Samuel, Dennis. <laughs> I appreciate uh, you having me here to talk about such an important topic. Um, and in terms of final thoughts, my final thought is your journey is never over. So just keep moving, right? And it, the moment you have the thought, I am ready to heal then a healing modality comes you will discover it very quickly but you have to be ready um and that's uh that's the beginning really of of the journey yeah and i i just wanna um think about it this way at least for me we we put the gps to places we even know which is kind that's of funny right. um <laughs> i know sometimes in this when you're dealing with your own struggles with mental health or trauma yeah. or you know, sometimes it's not about just following the GPS. Sometimes it's about following what works, you know, yeah. and reminding, giving yourself, you know, it's not going to be a seamless line, but along the way, I, I do encourage you that you'll, you'll learn a little about yourself, forgive Absolutely. yourself a little bit. So that's, I just want to That's it. That's <laughs> it. Self-discovery, right? Yes. Yes. Self-discovery is so important to the journey. I just want to say thank you again for joining us. Um, and also I want to stay updated with Revive Ministries through the various platforms, ReviveMinistriesFL.com. This is goodbye for Revive Ministries with leaving with his last quote. It's from Dili. I couldn't really, I don't know how to say that last thing. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Wounds won't heal the way you want them to. They'll heal the way they need to. Love it.